0: Today, in a very focused episode of The Dan Cave, we take on one topic and one topic only. Is Pete Carroll on the hot seat? And how quickly could this season spiral out of control if the Seahawks can't take care of business against Dallas tomorrow? We'll discuss that next. Welcome to The Dan Cave. Here's your host, Dan Vien. It's amazing what a difference a couple of days can make. Just two weeks ago, there was a general sense of optimism leading into the 2018 regular season for the Seahawks. Most fans and local analysts, and even some of the national guys who I ripped on a couple episodes ago, seem to think the changes to the roster over the offseason resulted in a new energy. A younger, hungrier group of guys and a draft class that, by all accounts, had an outstanding preseason led us to believe this would be a developmental year, a a resetting, even if the team and most people around it and even fans didn't want to use the word rebuilding, but a fun one to watch because watching a team grow, I've come to find, and I think most of you would agree, is more fun than watching a team trying to hang on to a shred of of their former their former persona as a contender. I had so much fun, for example, watching the Jets Browns game on Thursday night. Watching that Browns team come back in that game, be sparked by Baker Mayfield, finally win a game and celebrate after it like they'd won the Super Bowl. You can see something building there. There's something innocent in that. And there's no pressure you're the underdog. It's more fun. And, it, and I even myself pegged this team at 8-8. Eight and eight. I said on this show, 9-7, and seven, that they wouldn't be good enough to make the playoffs, but there'd be an upward trend at the end of the year. We'd be feeling good about 2019 and beyond. I was looking forward to that. I was excited about that. And even at the beginning of this week, I was prepared to talk about how all hope is not lost starting out on the road at denver in 90 degree heat at at that elevation and against a chicago team with a, a a young defense it looks like they might be on the verge of being a dominating defense that that was no easy task and to not put too much weight on that and that they could still turn things around but that was the beginning of the week and the reason that i waited until today to record this week's episode is because I felt myself growing more doubtful as the week went along. And I blame Pete Carroll for that. Because now, instead of that upward trend and looking forward to 2019 as a year that with cap space and another year under their belt for the young guys, that we could be looking at a next step towards contention, now we might be looking at a coaching change. Because ever since Monday night, when the Seahawks lost that 24-17 game to the Bears on Monday Night Football in Chicago, between then and today, all Pete Carroll has done is make bizarre statement after bizarre statement. Let's recap one statement at a time. When trying to explain after the game Monday why Chris Carson didn't get any carries in the second half and gave way to Rashad Penny, Carroll's explanation was that Carson was gassed he was tired because he had to play so much on special teams because of all our injuries in the defensive secondary. We had a shortage of healthy defensive backs. The reality is Carson only played on two kickoff teams. And the kickoff or the, the special teams coach had pulled him off of kickoff teams during that game. He wasn't going to play any more on them. Not to mention that Shalom Luani was active for the game, safety. And he didn't play on any special teams. So they had a defensive back available to play on kickoff teams. He wasn't playing. But Carroll said, because we didn't have enough defensive backs to play kick teams, Carson had to, and he was so tired. He was so tired of having to run down the field a couple of times that he couldn't play running back at all. At all. Not one carry in the second half. So a direct contradiction. He tried to backtrack the next day. And he said he misspoke. He said he didn't know that Carson had been taken off kick teams during the game, but that early in the game, he looked at him and just thought he looked tired. And he wanted to see what Penny could give him. So he gave two reasons at the same time. But let's backtrack four days before the game. When Carroll is on record, As saying that Carson, based on his performance at Denver in week one, had earned the lead running back role and would get more carries than Penny. So now another contradiction that made no sense. And Carson looked good on his carries in the first half against the Bears. Penny looked better Monday. He lost a little weight, looked a little quicker, ran a little harder. He's looking more confident. But Carson has clearly outplayed him to this point. Also, the day after the game... Carroll called out Russell Wilson in a way that we don't usually hear him calling out Russell Wilson, saying that he was over-trying in his attempt to extend plays. He needed to throw the ball away more. We talked about it last week. Needed to give up on some plays. Live to play another day, another play. Then Wednesday after practice, Wilson responded by saying he's a competitor and he never wants to give up on a play. So there's an example of coaching a player Totally not being on the same page. Not a good look. Speaking of not being on the same page, Carroll also took the blame for the offense going past happy in the third quarter when they threw it six straight times, leading to two three and outs to start the second half. He says he told Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, to see if they could take some shots down the field, try to get some quick scores, get back in this game. This despite earlier in the week promising us all that the Seahawks were going to emphasize running the football after not doing enough of it in Denver. So another contradiction. And then he did go on to say, I shouldn't have done that. It was a mistake. So now he's questioning himself in public to us. Then yesterday, the bombshell, when we learned that Earl Thomas wasn't practicing and it wasn't injury related, And it wasn't just arrest him, as some veteran players often get days off from practice. Carroll said it was a personal issue, that they were working through it with him, and he didn't even know if Thomas was going to play on Sunday. Which immediately led to speculation that maybe a trade is on the way, that maybe with the Cowboys coming to town, Earl's refusing to practice, there's some sort of disconnect there. And Earl's played well. Pro Football Focus has him as the top-rated safety in the league through Week 2. And Bradley McDougald is number three. Coaching is managing. I remember going to see a a Husky practice. Um, Our high school football coach took a couple of us, about four or five of us. We got to go on the field during a Husky practice. And Don James was still the coach there. And he did very little actual X's and O's coaching. The whole time we were there, about an hour and a half, He stood up in a cherry picker, a tower, with a clipboard. His assistant coaches were down on the field coaching the players. He was managing the coaches. I spent 13 years as a general manager in bars and restaurants. And I always tried to model my management style after after coaching and, and felt that it was too much for me to try to manage all 80 employees so, my job as the general manager, as the title would imply, is, is I would manage my managers and make sure that they were teaching and instructing and managing the floor staff appropriately. Carol is clearly second-guessing himself. And I think it's because for the first time, as a Seahawks coach he's dealing with a lot of failure. His style that works so well when the roster was loaded with young, hungry, naive, motivated, inspired players, it doesn't work now. Not just because he has a bunch of veterans, but because a lot of big names and influential people have called him out. And I think he's a sensitive guy And I think he's questioning himself. And it just feels like that's the worst possible thing that you can do as a head coach. And now, on top of all that, I think that he knows that he's coaching for his job. He's coaching for his NFL life. And so there's a desperation now. He's always been a patient coach. He's always talked about how we win in the fourth quarter, not the first quarter. And it's almost to a level of frustration for the fan base, but it's worked. But what he did in Chicago, if indeed he's telling the truth, because now I don't even know if I can trust him, but if he's indeed telling us the truth, that it was his call to throw the football on those first two drives in the third quarter, if he's not just covering for his offensive coordinator, which knowing Pete Carroll and his style is possible. Then that's that smacks of desperation. That's not being patient. They weren't getting blown out at that point. They were in the game. A couple of good solid drives with balanced play calling and moving the ball down the field would have had them in a good position to to win that game. So he's coaching scared. And who knows what's going on with this Earl Thomas thing and and we'll find out by game time tomorrow. But at, at the beginning of this week, I was feeling optimistic still. And now it feels like the wheels could fall off really quickly. Dallas comes in tomorrow. Dallas has not looked like a very good football team. At Carolina week one, they lost 14 to 6. And then at home against the Giants on Sunday night, they let the Giants hang around, beat them 20 to 13. The Giants are terrible. The Seahawks might beat the Giants by 30 if they played them at home right now. So Dallas hasn't been that impressive. They're 30th in total offense. The Hawks are only 27th. Dallas is 4th in yards per game defensively. Which looks pretty good, but again, they got to play the Giants last week. So that certainly helped them pad their stats. The Hawks are 21st. Both teams are dealing with injuries on the offensive line. Cowboys do not have that dominating offensive line they had two years ago. Lots of injuries. Dak Prescott seems to have regressed. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been the dominant force that he was. There's some issues in that secondary, even though they haven't given up a lot of yards yet. So, while at the start of the week, I thought, okay, come home, take care of business against a mediocre Dallas team, then you go to Arizona, the Cardinals will look terrible, get back to two and two, even with the Rams coming up here in week five. Even if you lose that game, you go two and three. You start to get back to that mentality that, hey, this team can improve as the year goes along, and all those things that I talked about earlier, that the, the year in context. Could still seem like it's leading to something more positive down the road. But what if they lose tomorrow? If there ever was a must-win game in Week 3, forget about all the stats that tell you that only five teams since 1980 have made the playoffs after starting 0-3. This is this, this year is not about getting to the playoffs or not. Lose at home to Dallas? Then what? Then you go to Arizona. Yeah, you can say Arizona's terrible. They got some players... And that field is a house of horrors for the Seahawks recently. That's where Super Bowl Forty Nine happened. That's where Cliff Averill and Richard Sherman's careers as Seahawks and Averill's career as a football player ended last year on a Thursday night game. That's where that ugly tie happened two years ago. Not a place that they've played well. <laughs> you lose the next 2 weeks and then come home to play the rams with everybody panicking the rams might run you like they ran you last last year in what was that week 14 i don't see any scenario where paul allen would fire carol during the season because i don't see that a clear candidate on the staff who could pilot the ship the rest of the way And because there is some equity that you earn by winning a Super Bowl. But let's just look at it. If the Seahawks don't beat the Cowboys tomorrow, then they go to Arizona, even if they beat the Cardinals, to go one and three. Then Rams at home. Then you got to travel to London to play the Raiders. Who knows how the travel is going to affect you? And the Raiders have looked really good in moments and really bad in other moments. Then you have a bye. Then the Lions at home. Okay, things could get better. If you win the next two weeks. But if you don't. The schedule starts getting a lot harder. In week 9. Chargers. Rams. Packers. Panthers. 49ers. Vikings. 49ers again. Chiefs. This thing could go off the rails in a hurry. And Carroll will not survive that. I believe the organization looked at this year and was willing to take a step back, believing that it would lead to something better in 2019 when there's $70 million in cap space available. But Paul Allen has a history of not liking losing, and he's known for making big moves. Remember, he stripped Mike Holmgren of his GM title after it didn't go well in the dual role his first couple years. He refused to sign Mike Holmgren after things went south. And then he fired Jim Mora after one bad season. Seattle has to win tomorrow or it could get really bad in a hurry. And as a fan, if you haven't tempered your expectations yet, you better start now. Because even Frank Clark said it this week. He said, we need to stop thinking that we're still that Super Bowl team. We need to focus on the here and now and getting better. That's over. It's the first time a player has really come out and said that. I wish that had come from the head coach. That would have carried a lot of weight. If it doesn't get better soon, starting this weekend, this could be a long, dark season with big changes coming in January. That's all I'm going to talk about this week because I think far and away, that's the most pressing sports subject facing us this week. And and I I don't think I'm minimizing how bad it could get. One twenty-five tomorrow, Dallas against the Seahawks. Go Hawks! Let's see if we can get this thing turned around despite a really bad week for the head coach. Hit me up on Twitter. Follow me, please. Seahawks Forever, at Seahawks Forever on Twitter. Send me your thoughts, your feedback, your questions, things that you'd like to address on next week's podcast. If you have the Anchor app, um, it's free. You can listen to the podcast through it. You can also leave me voice messages that I can integrate into the episode. Email me at the thedancaveshow at gmail.com. We'll dig deep into this game for you next week. Thanks for listening again.